Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. Hey, it's Odie Strahan, and I'm having one of the most amazing days of my life. Hopefully you are too. Let's get this show started. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Strahan. Guys, we are in for a treat. I'm really fired up about this episode today, guys. Uh, today, we have a gentleman that, that starred at Cal. He won the Pac-10 Freshman Player of the Year. He finished his college a career at actually at Fresno State before being drafted by the Nuggets in the NBA. He went on to play four seasons in the NBA, including a championship with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and there's just so much more to his story. And I'm just really excited to have him on today. Tremaine, folks, are you out there, brother? Yes, sir. I'm in the building, man. Thank you for having me. How you doing, Odo? Oh, man, having one of the most amazing days of my life, man. Like I said, really excited. I, I got, I'll got. i be honest with you, Tremaine. I got a lot of stuff I want to get into, so I don't want to waste any time. I want to get right into it. You ready? I'm, I'm with you. Let's make it happen, baby. All right, man. That's what I like to hear. So first and foremost, man, let's let's go back to your you know your high school days. I know, I mean, obviously you take great pride in that. But um, when you were your high school days, did you play any other sports but basketball? Yes, I did. You know, football was my number one sport. You know, my dad had a quick stint in the NFL. He was a uh, All-American and a Hall of Fame at a school at Ohio University. So the genes were definitely, you know, for football. And, uh, you know, before I had that crazy growth spurt and, you know, maybe in 10th grade, I was all football, man. I loved football and basketball. But football, I thought I might be able to excel because, you know, it's a numbers game somewhat, you know, the, the percentages of making the NBA, you know, sports is pro sports, period. But I said, if I have these genes, I, I'll take try to take advantage of them until I grew a little bit too much. Oh, and I got struck in, in the back of my leg. And then on the front, I said, you know what, it's time to go to basketball. And that ninth, 10th grade, I just said, you know what, let me just concentrate on b-ball, man. And, you know, the rest was history from there. Let me ask you this. Um, I like to ask this a lot when it comes to, uh, you know, professional athletes. Now, was basketball the game you loved or, or was it football? Which one did you actually love? You know what? I, I loved football all the way up to about sixth, seventh grade. And then, uh, you know, I was playing both sports. And then I winged off of football by the time I got into high school. But, you know, I was in that Michael Jordan era. You know, Jordan influenced me to take that basketball on. You know, I'm, I'm, I was lanky, you know, had the ball head, had the, the socks, just like Mike had the tube socks, had the wristband on the left. So, you know, with, with basketball, I could take more of an identity, uh, you know, for myself and take on somebody who I, I kind of admired. And at that time, it, it was, you know, of course, he had everybody, you know, was admiring Michael. So I was like, man, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to play like Mike. I'm going to try to do these reverse layups and then hit my hand, you know, after I, try, <laughs> after I let the ball go. So, you know, Mike was a big influence, you know, that, that made me say, okay, I want to work hard and be able to try to play like Michael Jordan. Hey, everybody want to be like Mike. We all know be like that. Mike. Yeah, you already like know. <laughs> hey, talk to me about the, the high school years at Cranshaw when it comes to, you know, obviously your success on the court. Uh, you know, you're, you know, you were able to have, you know, massive success on the court. Was that something that um, you were able to have off the top, you know, you know, you know, immediately from freshman year? Or was that something you developed, you know, throughout your whole high school career? 
you know what that 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 really developed as time went on you know progress 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 that's why i tell the youth because tell you the truth but we we started ninth grade i went to westchester high school and you know westchester had some success and that was part of the reason why i left during those days the 92 93 91 90 91 92 era they had a good friend of mine named james gray they had one LA City, um, they won City in 90, 91, and 92. And when they won 91, oh, I was at Westchester as a freshman. And that year I stopped playing football after I, somebody popped me in my shin. And I said, that thing, boy, swelled up. I had a little, little golf ball on my leg. And I said, you know what? It's time to go to basketball. So I had to work my way up. Coming from football to basketball, your timing's off. You know, you have to have that basketball timing. Uh, uh, got on late, worked my way up from fourth team to second to, I mean, third to second to first. Next thing you know, I'm starting and I got best freshman of the year. So that, that work persistency, that helped me get there. But I said, you know what? I want to play far. Oh, so I transferred to a small school called Culver City. Culver City was more of a CIF uh, low, you know, four or five. Uh, they were maybe one A. The lower the, the number was, that was the uh, 4A was the highest, and that was Westchester Crenshaw. So I went there, had some success, but I said, I need to put myself on the mat. And when we made this decision, that was something that was with my cousin and my mom. My mom was tired of me transferring school. She said, boy, stop transferring so much. Stay your butt still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's three schools. So, you know, it, I knew Crenshaw was my last move. You know, uh, I saw James Gray. Uh, single and not single-handedly, but they had beat Crenshaw and Manual Arts in the same year to win for uh, a city, uh, Los Angeles uh, City. Uh, they won city city championship. So just seeing that, I, I had to go and say, let me try to get on his level because I, I really want. I thought I was be able to play varsity at early level. I mean, at, at junior and senior year. So it was a blessing. Everybody had left Crenshaw and graduated. Crenshaw didn't have any players. Everybody was gone. You know, they had to probably move the whole JV team up. So that's when you saw a lot of us who transferred. We all knew each other. I knew Chris, you know, actually I didn't know Chris. I knew his, uh, his dad, you know, Marcus Johnson. Uh, you had Rico, you had Maurice. We all came from the inner city of Inglewood and some of us, you know, in LA too. So it just all happened to, to mesh at the right time. No, that's awesome. Man. I actually, you know, I, I, what I love about these episodes, as you know, I mean, they're 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 live and uncut. So I, I learn as we go. So I, I had no idea you actually had moved around like, you know, I thought you had been in Crenshaw the whole time. So let me ask you this. When you, when you did get the opportunity to play at Crenshaw, once everybody left, were you able to, to uh, you know, have immediate success at the varsity level? You know, we, we did, you know, but it didn't just come overnight. A lot of games. We had that talent. You know, we kind of were kind of built as a. A, a team on paper to beat, you know, but we, you know, we have to slowly gain momentum. And I believe, tell you the truth, and that when I say team on paper, that was to us when I saw everything we had. I said, man, we are talented. But to the city and the state, no, I think we were ranked maybe like 14th in the state that year. Nobody, they said Crenshaw's in a rebuilding year, you know, so that year we kind of caught people, you know, off guard. And, um, it, 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 you know, Catching people off guard feels really good compared to people expecting you to win. Nobody was expecting us to win city or state. And, you know, I made a smooth transition uh, into Crenshaw. And, you know, we got, you know, we got down to business. And one thing was getting us out of California to play against other top schools outside 
of California to really get us to, hey, to get us on the ball and, and, and give us a fair, you know, chance to, you know, uh, playing everybody from West Coast to East, East Coast, down South, up North. We went to Alaska, you know, we played in Alaska uh, shootout with Trajan Langdon, you know, so it was some good memories at Crenshaw. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that the city, you know, LA city basketball is not the same as it once was, you know, and uh, I'm hoping one day it does get down back to back to the good days, the early 90s, you know, Westchester had a good run in the 2000s. And uh, we kind of, you know, the city basketball is falling off, you know, with these schools having these, you know, um, I, I would say, you know, ex NBA players sons, and they all pick them up and take them to these schools on the outskirts. And, you know, it, it leaves the city without any talent. You know, I wish that we can get a chance to get this city talent back back where the city, the competition level, back where it's supposed to be. No, I, I agree. I, I remember that those were always the school. I was a little young guy back then, but I remember I remember that those were always the schools playing, going deep into the state, you know, state finals and what have right, you. Right, right. With all that, with all that talent, that's crazy. You just mentioned trading Landon, man, Duke, Cle a little Cavaliers. I remember that guy, <laughs> my, my guy number twenty one. That guy had a strap. He had a little, he had a little oh, burner on him. He lit, he lit it up. He lit us too. I mean, he must he must hit about five threes. But they had a guy on this team that hit more threes than him that game. <laughs> they happened to beat us. But we found out later that he had five fouls, but they let him back in the game. I said, that's oh. what happens when you're playing in Alaska. You're going to hey, go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's that super home court advantage. I hear right, you. right, exactly. Well, listen, I mean, obviously the fact that you guys were able to get that exposure and you know, not just exposure, but play against the top of the top, that definitely, you know, helped you out. Uh, now, like I, like I said in the introduction, you, you ended up, you know, going to Cal. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, at the conclusion of your high school, well, I guess, the recruiting process, were there any other schools that were heavy on you, any other schools that you were considering uh, before you committed to Cal? I definitely was. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to go to Cal. You know, Jelani and I had met each other, you know, um, that summer of my after my junior year. And we, you know, we kind of hit it off. And he was thinking about going to Houston with Ricky Price. When I was when I didn't know where I wanted to go, I kind of was thinking about USC with George Ravlin and I think him and Ricky was talking about Houston. I think they was talking about something making a package deal with them, you know, and our relationship kind of got, uh, you know, kind of got stronger after my, my senior year. Now, when you talk about schools, oh, that I really wanted to go to, you had, I, I love Jimmy Beheim. Let's start with, let's start with Syracuse. I love mm. Syracuse. I just couldn't, I, I just thought it was going to be a little bit too far for me, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, and, and that, that weather, you know, I just wasn't, thinking that I was going to go, I wanted to go that far. But when I saw my boy Jason Hart go there after me, I said, oh, man, would have been nothing but, you know, it would have been gravy. But we had Syracuse, I, I, I uh, Kansas, Kansas. I, what's my man name at Kansas? Um, uh, goodness gracious. My Kansas coach, North Carolina. He's Roy Williams. Roy Williams. I'm sorry. Uh, he's yeah. I'm trying to see his face now since he ain't retired now. Yeah, Roy yeah, yeah. Was a great guy. Yeah, he great. He gave a great home visit. You know, very organic. You know, Roy, Roy and Jimmy were special guys. And then I had Allen Houston's dad at Tennessee when he was. Coaching. Yeah. He was a really good guy too, man. I, I said, you know what? If I happen to go down south, I'm gonna go there. But you know, I had five home visits. I believe. Um, you know, once I was going to transfer from Cal to Fresno, I, I, you know, I talked to Eddie Sutton for Oklahoma State. So, you know, with me, I was just having a different schools in different, you know, time zones and seeing what would work for me. 
And at the end of the day, you see, I kept it right in California both times. Bowles and Jelani uh, had that, you know, the effect that, you know, we can, you know, make a big impact with Lamont and Jason leaving, you know, going to the NBA. And I said, you know what, this might be a good opportunity for me to step in. I can actually see myself feeling, you know, Lamont's shoes. You know, I had to think like that. You know, I'm like, okay, maybe I can see myself, you know, possibly – you know, um, you know, he has some game. Don't get me wrong. He's the, <laughs> but yeah. just being in a position where I can have an impact like he did. That's all because Lamont is off the hook. You know, I told him I'm still a fan of his because he had one of the prettiest strokes. Oh, you know. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Lamont, Lamont Murray was a walking bucket for all you young. Right. You, you, might, you, you might have to, you might, you might, you might have to YouTube that one. But no, listen, right. you guys. You got first and foremost, congrats on that. I mean, uh, that that's that that's phenomenal. See, this is the stuff that I love to hear. Um, yeah. We're talking about straight talk when it comes to the opportunity. You, had. I mean, you literally name a who's who in college basketball. You're talking about Roy Williams, uh, Bayheim at Syracuse, you know, right. Eddie uh, Sutton. I mean, you're talking about, the, you know, you know, raveling. That's, t- you know, top of the top. But, yeah. uh, you know, obviously yeah. with you and Jelani, you know, coming to Cal, you guys had a loaded freshman class. You had yourself, Jelani, you had Tony Gonzalez, obviously, who ended up, you know, make, making it you know, big on the football field. You had Sean Marks. Yeah. I mean, amongst, among, you know, and then you – uh, the, the freshman's just coming in, and then you play with two Sacktown legends, you know, here, you know, we've got to represent the 916 with Monty Buckley, who was a bucket at Christian Brothers. You yes, know, he, he obviously was was coming in as the leading scorer, and then you had Yogi Stewart, who yeah. obviously made some noise in the NBA as well. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's a nice little team. Uh, I know, I know uh, Coach Bozeman had it, like like you alluded to, had to make some adjustments because when you lose a, a player like a Jason Kidd and Lamar Murray, uh, you know, there's no matter what, no matter what type of talent's coming in, so much of that offense was around those two. I mean, let's just be honest. Jason, J, you know, Jay Kidd created everything. Lamont was, you yeah. know, just scoring from everywhere and anywhere. You know, you know. So Man. let me let me ask you this. Um, so coming in, like you had mentioned, you know, you and Jelani, kind of like a pa- well, I want to say a package deal, but obviously it was it was something that was heavy on when, on your guys' decision to go there. How was that adjustment? Uh, you know, how was that adjustment? you know, going to college, it, always nice to have a, fami- you know, familiar faces, but how was that adjustment both on and off the court? You know, it was, uh, it, it was different, you know, having to try to, you know, uh, you can't, you, once you make your decision, you have to live with it. And after I had talked to James Casey, we had a mutual friends, you know, well, actually James Casey was related to Jelani. And, uh, you know, that was part of the reason why I got suspended too, when he was involved. Uh, with me, uh, with things that, you know, with cars and gifts and et cetera. Uh, he, he really made us feel like, hey, you guys need to like be a, a one-two combo. And when you have somebody like that coming in, in your head that, that understands what it takes, you know, as far as you guys need to be on the same page, you know, same mind frame, because you guys can be a one-two punch. You know, we wanted to think, hey, we're not going to be the next Jason and Lamont, but hey, let's try to get that in our heads right now so we can come in comfortable, you know, and already work out together. Me, Jelani and I worked out together, and that's big. When you guys work, you know, when you, you're working out with your point guard, your point guard is going to favor you because he says, hey, I'm, I know what we're doing. So, you know, the eye contact, the timing, the cutting, backdoor cuts, we had all that going. And that was something that I felt comfortable with because I was already familiar with him you know, going to ABCD camp, you know, that's where I actually got my name at, you know, from, you know, after our junior year, we won it, but still nobody knew me nationally, nationally, you know, Sonny Vaccaro gave me a big shot by inviting me to ABCD camp. And after ABCD camp, I, you know, I made a name for myself and then we came back and won it that year and got to Cal, but coming in as a freshman, oh, that was an adjustment where we had Monty Buckley, who was a senior, 
we had KJ Roberts. KJ Roberts was a great leader. I have to always mention his name because he really um, gave us an identity and made us run plays. You know, we had a, we had a young team, so we needed guys like KJ Roberts and uh, Monty Buckley kind of to kind of to step up and kind of you know guide us guide us through the season. You know, to keep us going, making sure you know, hey, get here. Don't remember you know remember this place. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. And that made it, that made it, you need some senior leadership when you have some young guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, with all that talent that you guys had, you know, you guys had a, you know, a up and down season when it comes to, you know, you know, as a, as a team, but, but, you know, yeah, you and Jelani, I mean, you got, you guys put up numbers. I mean, you, you won, you know, the Pac-10 back then, you know, Pac-10, the you know, freshman, uh, freshman yeah, the of the year. Well now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pac-10 back then, but, uh, let me ask you this. So, I mean, like I said, you guys, you guys both had very successful, uh, you know, freshman seasons, um, and obviously, but you're the one who garnered the award. What were some of your your best memories, your 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 uh, personal highlights from that freshman year? Um, the personal highlights is funny. You said that I just put up a highlight tape to to promote my my book on uh, IG. If you guys listening, go to Trey Folks IG, man. You guys can see the whole little. Uh, path of me trying to, uh, from the shawl to the chip. That's the name of the book, from the shawl to the chip. I, okay. you know, I'm just promoting that, but we'll, <laughs> uh, yeah. we'll talk about that later. But my whole thing was, oh, that I was more of a, you know, I, I, I'm more of an energizer bunny. So my thing, I would get it. They didn't really run plays for me. You know, I would be one to get your rebound was a slasher. That's what they call me, a slasher. So I would try to get to the hole, you know, with a dribble or two. I wouldn't make any moves. But once I got in that paint, I was going to finish with authority. So I had, you know, I had some really good dunks, you know, on people. And, you know, my highlight, I feel like my best game, one of my best games ever was against the national champions, UCLA, you know, in 94. You know, they had Tyus. They had Charles and Chuck O'Bannon. Yeah. You know, they had a really good squad. And, you know, for me to come back home against UCLA and play them in 94 and uh, and beat them and be, you know, and they were number four at that time. And uh, they ended up winning it, you know, that year. But that shows you the level of talent and what we had when we used it correctly. We had an up and down year, just like you said. We didn't even finish 500. It's funny. We beat the number 14, but ended up 13 and 14 which I was disappointed, you know, you know, it, you know, the, the award helped, you know, uh, you know, smooth it out a little bit, but that, you know, that's the personal award. But as a team, I would like to have seen us, you know, possibly make a run for the, the tournament, you know, and, uh, you know, that was a building year for Jelani and I at the same time, you know. No, absolutely. I mean, like, like you know, any, any time, like you said, with that much talent in the conference and actually just in the nation, you come in with, you know, actually you lose two top players like that. And then, uh, you know, then you, then you come in and you're, uh, you know, you're blending in that much, you know, youth with, with, with freshmen. Right. It's always going to be, it's always going to be a, a tough chore. Right. Sophomore, sophomore year, you got, uh, you know, the fab, the fab, fab freshman, you know, Sharif Adu-Rahim, you know, Raheem comes in uh, Raheem, as well as, tra as well as transfer Ed Gray comes in as well. Yeah. Who's a bucket. Yeah, uh, how, 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 how was, uh, how is that adjustment, obviously, with those two, you know, with Sharif coming in, like I said, being, you know, just a highly touted freshman, and he backed up what, you know, he was, he was just as advertised. How is that, uh, how is that adjustment, and, and did you have to adjust your game to them? Well, you know, coming in, I, I was feeling like this right here, we're looking at, I'm looking at a sweet 16 final eight. Uh, yeah. Elite eight. <laughs> yeah. No, Why? yeah. You know, 
And, you know, of course, you know, with me and the suspension and uh, Jelani and I having this trouble, you know, uh, with the NCAAs, you know, actually, you know, it was me, it was just, it was James Casey who uh, was related to Jelani that had us, um, you know, with the, with a, with a target on us with the NCAAs. And once they had got me and said, Hey, you know, we understand that he's not an agent, but you know, I felt like they wanted to make an example out of me. Also, they said, Hey, he's not an agent, but you know, that's close enough from you receiving improper benefits. So, Hey, we're going to make an example of you and we're going to suspend you 14 games. And that was a shocker right there, you know, for me to be suspended after I'm thinking that, Hey, I finished the freshman year. I think the sophomore year is going to be great. Maybe I might have a chance to, you know, elevate into the next level. But, you know, that process got put on hold. And, you know, the team wasn't bad without me. They still, you got to think, you still had Ed, Sharif. You had the whole team. You had everybody but me, you know. So they made, I had to come back and make that adjustment, which was hard. I, I've never come in a season after being so hot. But just period, just, um, you know, having that drop mentally, you know, and, and, and not be on that emotional high coming off, you know, the first set, first game, second game, all the way to 14 games. So, you know, it was a time in there. I was a little depressed. But once that 14th game came, you know, I got up again and said, hey, I'm I, I'm a love playing right now because I'm not going to get any of these games that I just lost back, you know. So those last 13 games, oh, they were good you know, but they were just for me playing my role. So I wasn't a first option. I wasn't a second option. You know, I could be a third option, you know, but I wouldn't even look at myself after that. The first op- first and second option, everybody's an option after that. You have to just put get in where you fit in. And, you know, my numbers weren't that much difference from the year before, but, you know, everybody had already set their tone on a team and what their role is. And you saw Sharif, he was averaging about 25, 26 points, you know, and Ed Gray is a, a, a scoring machine. You know, that's one of the guys I haven't seen. I saw him once I went to Fresno. He had the year they went to the Elite Eight. You know, um, he had scored 40-some points in 28 minutes <laughs> against Washington State. I said, what is going on here? You know, with a, with a, a, a chip bone in his foot. So the scoring and everything was there. All I could do was bring some toughness, uh, you know, and some intensity to him. And it, it worked enough for us to get in the tournament. I never played in the tournament before. You know, I know I was a freshman year, but hey, we actually got into the tournament and I was at that time ready to transfer because I just didn't want to be around uh, the campus, which was an emotional move. Oh, if, if I just like I say in my book, if I would have looked at it, I would have stayed the next year because you saw where Cal went, right? You know, they went all, they lost to North Carolina in the, uh, in the final eight. That's so, right. That was uh, I, I was looking at, at that game while I was sitting out that year. I wasn't eligible. You know, I went to Tark, you know, I went with I was in Fresno, but I it just it, it kind of I said, you know, I was happy for them, but I was just looking like, man, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> hey, quick break here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we'll get right back to it. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about Hardwood Palace, Northern California's premier basketball facility. Hardwood Palace has eight hardwood courts, a full-service cafe, and a reputation for reliable and quality programs. Extreme Hoops runs the largest weekly AAU tournament in the area with a variety of competitions from all over California and Nevada. They also offer a youth league. 
Hardwood Hoops, which is rec level and runs four seasons a year for individuals looking to be placed on the team. Check out hardwoodpalace.com to see all they have to offer. You can follow them on Instagram at extreme underscore hoops underscore basketball or contact Steve Williams by emailing steve at hardwoodpalace.com. Get your hoops on at the Hardwood Palace. Oh, hey, you know, I, I get it. But like I said, when it comes to the circumstances that you, you know, you were handed, it was just kind of t- a tough situation for you overall. And let's just be honest, that's not ideal how you want to uh, transition into that second year. You did right. mention, obviously, your move to, you know, to Fresno State. Uh, you, you know, you played for uh, the legendary coach, Charkanian. Uh, also, yeah, play with some pretty known players. You know, Ray for Austin, young fellow knows as you know. Uh, what's my guy's name? Hip, to my Hip Lou. To my Lou. Lou. Yeah. Chris Heron. Yeah, Chris Heron. Yeah, Terrence yeah. Roberson over there. You yeah. had a nice little. You had a nice little group. Talk to me about the, the playing for Tark, man. How, how, how was that? You know, uh, you know, from from Bozeman to Tarkanian. Talk to me about that. I mean, you know, uh, both of you know both are good guys. You know, uh, both have egos, and I'm not mad at them because you know that's you got it for a coach. You got to have <laughs> an ego that you know you can that can be needs to be respected, and you know to a certain extent. So you know, if they didn't have that, may you know, I I I probably wouldn't have went there anyway. So you have to you have to sell the, your your you know yourself to to players, and I understood that now. You know. Um, Tark was a, you know, you, we watched Tark in the nineties, UNLV, you know, Larry Johnson, Stacy Augman, you know, he, he, he's, he's had success. So I was sold on him and that championship. And I really wanted to win a championship after I saw that. Okay. Well, if I'm going to stay in school and not take my chances and go to the, and try the NBA after, you know, uh, playing a half a season, why not try to, you know, win a championship with the right squad and, and actually, when we got there, I said, whoa, this, you know, <laughs> we had a lot of players. I said, okay, this is something that we might be able to turn over and take take to, take it to the next level. We had a Vondre Jones come from USC, you know, so uh, the talent was there. It was all about the cohesiveness. And, you know, Tark was, you know, tell you the truth, oh, Tark was pretty, he, he was nearing his end. So he couldn't give you the energy that he probably wants, you know, you know, did, you know, at UNLV. So he would have John Welch, who, you know, has been in the league, you know, coaching, you know, for about 12 years, uh, various teams, Clippers, uh, Denver, et cetera, Sacramento. So he, he would help out Danny, Danny, Danny Tarkanian, his son. Then you had uh, Johnny Brown. So they would kind of come together and, and try to help uh, take some of that pressure off of Tark. You know, Tark would be, you know, kind of sit down on the side sometimes. He kept his towel, though. We all know the signature <laughs> towel. You know, signature trademark, uh, 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 semi-wet dent towel that he, you know, he kept and, you know, chewed on here and there when he get nervous. But, you know, it was, a, you know, you just sometimes look over there during the game and say, oh, man, that's Tark the Shark. I saw him since, you know, who can't remember? You know, like 9 and 10 years old. So, you know, you always had those moments. You know, but just like Cal, uh, you know, no, not just like Cal Fresno, I, we, we underachieved that as a team. When you look at that, you know, the players you just named, and I didn't even mention Winford Walton, Mr. Basketball. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, in Detroit, you know. Uh, so th- that, that talent was unbelievable. But one thing, we could not stay the same starting five, could not stay on the floor more than five games because it was always some issues. Somebody's getting suspended. And uh, you can put me in that boat. I was suspended uh, 
two games for uh, 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 the dirty test marijuana. Um, so guys got suspended throughout the year. Some, you know, had a car accident, hurt, you know, Rayford hurt his knees. He couldn't, you know, play. We had so many, you know, so many issues. It was just that we were at the end of the day, I say, man, we were lucky just to get to the NIT final four. It was a blessing, but we underachieved. That team right there, oh, was definitely a, a, a it, to me, it was a final four team, but I'm not going to say that because we only went to the final four, the NITs, not the NCAA. <laughs> but that team right there, we could have all stayed focused, kept out of trouble because you got to think Fresno, we're the, we're the only thing in town, Fresno State Sports. So everything was looked on at us, you know, through, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, glass, micro, you know, it, we were just, everything was close, you know, so, you know, it was just, so exposed, uh, you know, everything was so exposed to us because it was right there on campus and everybody could see us. So everybody would look and every time we had to make sure we're not doing anything dumb, we don't want to bring any attention to ourselves. So if I, I, and that's why I tell people, kids, don't try to bring attention to yourself while you're on your mission, you know, stay focused. You don't have to do anything that you, we, you have enough attention as it is being a student athlete, just be a student athlete. Hey, especially in Fresno, uh, I got family in Fresno. <laughs> I, I don't want to get booed, but they call it the no for a reason. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I, I don't need no DMs are crazy. Don't. I'm just saying there's a reason why. But no, but I, I get it. And plus, let's be honest. I mean, uh, you know, with, with you know Tark, you know the reputation he had, and you know right. we know that we we know Chris Heron's story and what have you. It, like you say, I, I think sometimes. Um, a team could look really good on paper. It's just a matter, like you said, if you can't get on the court together, you, you, you never are on the court together. It's always one thing or another. Someone's out, someone's suspended. There's right. never that chemistry. There's never that continuity to really there put it all go. together. Exactly. No, no, I, I get it 100%. Uh, so a, a, after that season, you know, you declare for the draft. You ended up uh, you ended up getting drafted, actually, in the second round by the Nuggets uh, with a 54th pick. First and foremost, before we go any further, let me ask you this. Uh, I don't care if first pick, 54th pick, 60th pick, it don't, it don't matter. Tell me that feeling at that point. Obviously, you went through your life, you went through adversity up to that point. Right. How did it feel just to hear your name be drafted? You know, with the fifty-fourth pick in the NBA draft. How, how, how did that? How did that? I mean, obviously, I could assume how it felt, but what was your first initial feeling when you heard your name? Well, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I had worked out for a couple of teams, you know, Seattle, Sacramento, and Eddie. Uh, uh, Eddie, Eddie, I forget. He was he was the coach here. Make a long story short, I worked out for three teams. I thought I might get drafted in the. Uh, oh, you talking uh, about Eddie Jordan? You talking about Eddie, Eddie Jordan? Right? Eddie yeah. Jordan. Yeah, he he told me right there day before the draft. He said, "Trey, we got a 30, a 30, uh, 33 pick, thirty third pick. If you're around, we will get you." I said, oh, great. So I'm thinking I won't go any lower than 33, 33rd. Next thing you know, they fire Eddie Jordan on the day of the draft. So then I'm like, oh, my goodness. Next thing you know, make a long story short, I had a draft party uh, down in Santa Monica on Third Street Promenade just for some family, close family and friends. By the time it got to the 44 pick, I kind of said, you know what? After Rafer got drafted, then I, I waited about 48. I said maybe 49. I, I, I took a walk. I took a walk. I said, you know, this is not happening. I said, you know, maybe I just need to go into training camp and just bust my butt and something will happen. Next thing you know, I'm, my friends is running down, down the street. Tremaine, come on, come back. You got drafted. So when you, <laughs> <to> that, 
So when you say, did I hear my name get called? I didn't actually get my hear my name get called. All I heard was when I walked into back into that bar, that people were clapping, congratulations. And, you know, I said, well, hey, at least I didn't leave, period. I wouldn't have done my people like that. But, you know, I was just getting some fresh air, just thinking about my next move. But when I came back, it was, it was a great feeling. Like, I felt like I got my name called when, you you know, I got some love from my family and friends. Hey, congratulations, Trey, they got you, Denver got you. You, they picked you up. And I mind you, I never worked out for Denver, you know? So uh, that's how the draft goes. You never know who's going to pick you, who's going to pass you, you know? And you just have to hope for the best, cross your fingers. But I, I, I thought I'm, I might get picked earlier, but just like you said, just to get drafted, I can always tell my kids that, you know, hey, son, you know, hey, you can tell your kids, your grand, you just, you, you know, their grand, the granddad got uh, drafted back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it, man. Hey, that, hey, that's some straight talk. I love that. that. That's exclusive straight talk right there. That story. I love it, man. My guy, my guy was getting the fresh, fresh breath of air when his name got called. Right. <laughs> I like it. Hey, it's all good. Hey, listen, you can always go back and watch some video on it. At least you can hear that. But that, that hey, I like that. Yeah, now, yeah. Um, being drafted, like you said, by the Nuggets, you didn't work out with them, but you got drafted with the 54th pick. Uh, you actually didn't. Uh, you know, play, you make your NBA debut till about four seasons later. Uh, talk to me, talk to me about how the opportunity did eventually come about when it comes to the Clippers. I mean, how, how did that, you know, all come, obviously you put in your, you, you got in, you know, you put in your work, you were resilient, put in your grind. Uh, but how did the opportunity come about with the Clippers? Uh, like, you know, I, I didn't even see it coming, you know, of course, after the Denver uh, situation didn't work out, you know, that was a lockout year. So, you know, that was a tough year just to, you know, to prove a point when training camp was only three days, you know, oh, excuse me, when training camp was only three days. So it was an adjustment having to see what I was going to do next. Oh, and I, I, I went overseas. I did everything. And by the time that I was ready to come back to the States, um, it was a new league. You know, during that, I was in Greece when 9-11 when happened. And I told Bill, I said, I'm ready. My agent, Bill Neff, shout out to Bill. That's my guy. He got me the opportunity and actually gave me a chance to uh, prove, you know, tell people, hey, he's the real deal. And Bill, I said, Bill, you got to get me out of here. I was looking on the computer. I saw something, NBDL League, and he got me in a supplemental draft. And he said, hey, Trey, you're right. This league is really going on. So when I got my passport back, you know, because they had to keep everybody's passports, you know, for a while after all that had happened. Um, and once I got back, I stayed around. I, I worked out for about a month. A supplemental draft happened to the new league, as we call it, the G League. Okay, so my opportunity came from the NBDL, you know, and I was probably the, you know, Jason Hart. We were probably the first ones. Uh, Bird Anderson, uh, uh, they, they used to play for Denver. Chris Anderson, Bird, we call him Birdman. 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 Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, Birdman. Jason Hart, which is my guy, you know, me and Jason, and I grew up together and myself were, I would say the first three guys out of the newly formed NBDL league and mine's happened because I was ready to go there to, I had got a deal probably. I was going to say, Hey, this is probably like around January, February, I'm playing three months. I got D league player of the month. And I'm like, you know what? China's going to give me 80,000. That doesn't sound like a lot. You know, uh, you know, but that what that was a lot for me when I was making in the D League back then. You were only making about maybe 25, 25 to thirty five hundred, you know, a month. You know, if if that. So it was tough that that first year. You know, they had A, B, C players. So you know, my opportunity was slim. I was ready to go, but it happened to be that Lamar 
and Corey Maggetti were hurt. So the, what got me up there was Corey was playing back at his hometown against Orlando. He got mad at a call, hit his hand on the scoring table and broke a finger. That made two small forwards. You know, that was two small forwards on the IR. Um, I don't know if this is the word, but word was it was between me and a guy named, dude, I know that uh, pretty well, Tyrone Nesby. Tyrone Nesby did play for the Clippers years prior to me coming you know, playing with the Clippers. You know, he actually had a good deal too there and he wasn't bad. He actually was pretty good. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, that's how it just happened so thin. It's a thin chance of me maybe going to China and me playing with the Clippers. And it was a blessing that I got a chance to play in my hometown. Hey, you're, you're right about that. Nes Nesby did really well with them. He did. He did really well. I mean, he actually put up some decent numbers. Right. No, that's a, but that just shows, you know, the resilience, you know, being at the right place, right time, obviously keeping that grind, uh, you know, everybody has their own journey. You know, like I say, yeah. you know, I've had, you know, former NBA players on my podcast and, and, and none, none of those stories have been a, a straight line. You know, let's yeah. just be perfectly honest. It definitely wasn't, you know, as planned. Yeah. Um, and, and even even what you just explained right now on how, how you got your opportunity. Right. Uh, but, but one thing that, I, you know, we always tell kids, I'm pretty sure you do the same is, you know, uh, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And that's really what it comes down to, you know, because when that opportunity see, comes, baby. You, you, yes. you, 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 got, you got to be ready. So, no, that's awesome. Let me ask you this. So you played, you know, the well, now it's the G League, but the, the developmental league uh, prior. Once you actually got to the NBA um, and, you know, you're on the roster, talk to me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I like to ask this question. But as Derek this, it's, it's funny. But uh, – Talk to me about the NBA lifestyle and, and the game itself. Once you actually got to the NBA, you know, regular season games, just the whole lifestyle itself, you know, was there anything about it that surprised you or, or was it exactly what you expected? You know, obviously going, you know, being a you know young fella, you know, you know, as you're going through the steps, you know, we all envision, we all dream of, you know, making it, you know, to the NBA and you kind of have this, uh, you know, vision, right? You kind of have right. this, this vision of what it's going to be like. Was there anything about, was it exactly what you expected or what was, was there anything that popped up in your mind, good or bad, that, you know, that you were shocked when you actually made the league? I mean, you know, everything seems like a blur your first couple games when you're out there because, you know, they do the starting lineups and the smoke blows up in the air and it's still up in there in the cloud of smoke. So you feel like you're in this like matrix, you know, and the lights are super bright, you know, on that floor. It's just exquisite when it comes down compared to a, a CBA floor, you know, um, or a D-League floor. It's just, you can see the time and the money people do put in for, for each section to make this game as, as, as successful as possible. And my, my thing was when I first stepped on that floor, it's like, wow, you, I, I made it. And then to be able to start, you know, 17 games during my first year, you know, I said, man, that that's, that right there from going to sitting on, you know, buses for 10, eight or 10 hours, going from one state to the next to actually getting on a plane and having, be able to recline my seat all the way back and nobody's <laughs> within two feet. I mean, the transformation was great. It humbled me too, because it, 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 I looked at it like this. I want to stay in this type of situation. You know, um, no roommates, you know, you have your own room, of course, you know, but, you know, you have to go through those grind moments there. You know, um, I'm walking in here into my, my hotel room and I'm doing a 360 like, OK, this is just me. And wow, these rooms are nice. You know, uh, everything is first class. So, you you know, you take it for what is work. You work hard to get there. And 
I tell everybody, every, every, you know, every NBA player deserves, you know, to, to have these type of moments where they can feel that, you know, hey, I worked hard and I, I, I feel like I deserve to be in this place. But for me, the traveling was just, you know, to this day, you got to think we, we travel to play a game that we love. But right now, if you want to travel somewhere, you got to buy your ticket. You know, you got to buy a ticket, you know, and um, that was something that, you know, was really good to take in. And I said, hey, I need to get out of town and travel more right now. <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> you think about this, you don't no. travel anymore. You do your job. You do, you know, your job takes you to different states. That's what it was, you know, and uh, pretty much now people's jobs are pretty much keep them confined, especially you got families. I know people that do have jobs that, you know, have to travel. But that was a luxury. I think people, more players talk about that after that, after their retirement say, gosh, tra you know, traveling is great. You know, and uh, I think that that's something that people take, you know, we take for granted as athletes until you, until you, you know, you put down, the, you know, the basketball and football. I think, the is sport. I think the players who don't, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, the, the lottery picks or the ones that go directly to the NBA, the ones that actually got to go through, you know, maybe international or, or these, uh, you know, minor leagues or, you know, semi-pro leagues, uh, yeah. the, 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 the found appreciation is a whole lot greater. You know, like you said, you know, you know, the, uh, it, it, you you really find out how much you love the game and how much you really believe in in, in your uh, in your career once you don't make it right because the rest right. of it, it I mean that goes for all sports not just basketball and baseball you know you go minor right. leagues after the after the initial bonus you know you're you're actually working on the off season you're working right. a regular job uh, and so it really th th that's you really find out you know what type of resilience you have you know and, and how much you really you got that belief standpoint you know in right. yourself whether to keep going no i love it man so a couple seasons obviously with the clippers uh then you got you know you, you got the you know the, the the big move right you know to the pistons after the the malice in the palace right is what went down oh, uh you correct me if i'm wrong you got signed after that is that correct i just want to make sure i'm correct on that uh yeah i signed after that yeah i went to right. Addicts clippers you know and uh uh, Dunleavy got rid of the, they say all the weed heads. I, <laughs> he got rid of me, Lamar, Melvin, Eli, Chris, Will. I mean, he cleaned house, you know. Um, he, yeah. brought his, he brought his son in there, of course. He brought Bobby Simmons in there. You know, he he, he basically, you know, uh, brought the team he wanted in there. So I was out of there. I didn't have a job for about, I would say, I would say about a month. About a month and then... Uh, I got a call and said, "Hey, you know, Larry is interested in coming and coming. Uh, you coming into uh, coming to Detroit?" And one thing that once I got to Detroit, I kind of, you know, I thought about. I had my best preseason game against Detroit when we played them in Detroit. I had 17 points, made about six rebounds, but I hit a lot of jumpers, you know. And you know, you know, jumpers weren't really my thing. It was, you know, I'm a slasher. Yeah. But I, I if I need to hit down that that 12 or 15 footer, I, I would. And that game was a great game for me. It, it, I, you know, it, it, things were bouncing, ball was bouncing my way. Uh, I was happened to be at the right place at the right time for, for some plays and back doors, got a couple steals. And uh, it happened to be that the team that I, I was successful, the, the best game I had that I'd be coming back to Detroit. And, you know, my mom's side of family's from Detroit. So it, it kind of, you know, uh, was, a, a, you know, killed two birds, one stone. Got to go home and see my family, too. So um, that was a blessing there. You got to think, uh, the Clippers in Detroit, two places where my family was, I couldn't, you couldn't ask for, 
you know, too much more. And let alone not knowing we were going to win a championship. I had no idea. I couldn't have told you I was going to Detroit. Oh, I said, hey, we're going to win a championship. <laughs> After, yeah, the Lakers just won two in a row, right? Or, uh, yeah, was it Lakers or, or San Antonio? No, Lakers had one, two. Lakers, yeah. Yeah, they had one, two. They had one, two by the time we had came in. So that move, and plus, you know, we picked up Rashid in the middle of the season and we sent um, Bob, you know, Bob Shore. He was my guy, too. And Chucky Atkins off, you know, it was. No, you had a squad. That squad, to, man, I mean, I mean, you had, you know, like you said, Bob Sewer. A lot of people don't know about Bob Sewer, man. They got to look, look, you know, from, nice. from Florida State on. That yeah. guy, hey. <laughs> that dude has some bunnies. Hey, that right, dude has bunnies. Right. He has some bounce and he could shoot. I mean, no, that, that was uh to me, arguably one of the better defensive teams of all time. You had you had, you had Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey, you had Rip, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ben Wallace, Tayshawn, Rashid, like you said. So yeah. obviously being on a team like that. And Memo um, Core, not to cut you off, I forgot about Mimic. We was really Memo Core, Memo. We used to call him Memo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. No, you're right. I mean, we, we got <laughs> no, go to go through all of them. But the thing is, playing on, <laughs> on, on a team like that, let me ask you. Like I said, you got, and you got some minutes on that team. So, you know, you you definitely were a part of that run. Let me ask you, what? how how was that different, though, when it comes to, like, the type of culture and the type of mentality that team had? Because, I mean, obviously, defensively, Teams just weren't scoring against that team. I mean, let's just be perfectly honest. You know, how was that different than any other team you played on? Uh, it was – except for the Crenshaw uh, teams, it's probably been the best defensive-minded team because, that you know, Crenshaw, we broke people down by the rover press that we had. You know, you couldn't get the ball past half court. But with this, with Detroit, first of all, when you walk in, it's a different you, – you, it's a different energy when you're walking in to Southwest college to practice as Clippers, you know, when we didn't have, you know, I played when we didn't have a facility yet, you know, everything was at Southwest college in the hood, you know, JC. So when, uh, you know, from going to there and then walking into a Detroit practice facility and you've got championship banners up in the practice facility too, you know, um, as well as, you know, as far as, as the palace too, but just that energy seeing that, that's something that, you know, you, you just, it just doesn't come, that just only comes with success that you want to try to repeat. And that was a, a, a emotional high that you get just from being in, in that environment. And so when you look at that, that team, everybody was really on the same page. <clears throat> Excuse me, you have to be on the same page for defense to work. Everybody's talking, we were great communicators, you know, everybody talked you know, and let you know, Ben will let you know, oh, he's behind you, you got here, play on left, play on right. You have to communicate and to play defense and you have to take it serious. A lot, you know, this NBA up and down, a lot of teams don't take it serious. And we had to take it serious because we couldn't leave this Ben by himself down there knowing he was gonna have to guard Shaq and all these big dudes every night. And he did a great job too. Ben would give you 20 rebounds and eight points, you know? And he would change games with his defensive pressure. Pressure, And you feel like, why would we want to put all that on Big Ben? Let's stop them here just in case they do. Ben has our back. So he upped. When you have a guy like that, he'll up your defensive presence, your defensive presence of mind to make sure that, you know, he's not the only one out here saving everybody asses, you know? Hey, talk to me about that backcourt. I mean, you got to play with Mr. Big Shot and Rip. You know, Rip, Rip, you know, obviously known – Probably one of the best, if not well, one of the best mid-range uh, shooters of all time. Then you got Mr. Big Shot himself. 
Uh, how was it playing with them? I'm actually curious to see, do you have a Chauncey built leadership story? I mean, I, that guy seemed like such a phenomenal leader, you know, on the court. Uh, you, have any, you have any stories about that backcourt? I mean, you know, Rip and Chauncey, that backcourt, probably the best backcourt I ever played with. And, you know, he was a reincarnated um, Reggie Miller inside the three-point line. And you got to think for him running around those screens all day, you have to be in the best shape to guard Rip Hamilton because you got to, he doesn't go out to the three point line, you know, uh, that much. He's going to come around this figure eights, you know, down low and you got to keep up with him and he's inside the three point line. So that was something to me, uh, uh, you know, that was just something to look at and say, wow, that was, uh, that that's really hard to keep up with somebody that's not even stretching himself out to the three point. It was, it was great to witness him, you know, to see that and how consistent he was. And Chauncey, you know, I would say Chauncey, you know, he 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 was he was a big game. He he more showed with his play. Mm. You know, he wasn't real real vocal unless he wanted to get every inch, you know, uh, out of everybody at a time where he needed. But with a time we needed that, he was there to do that, you know, to hit the shot. So. Um, the only time he talked is when Joe Dumars and we lost in Philly, you know, AI gave us the business, you know, <laughs> does all the time, you know, <laughs> and we we're on like a three or four game losing streak. We lost to Boston too. You know, uh, Paul Pilly gave us buckets, you know, congrats to him, even, you know, with his Hall of Fame induction. And, uh, you know, after that, we had to take a look, a hard look at ourselves. Joe Dumars came in and then Chauncey, you know, took on that that leadership role even more. And that was probably one of the first steps he took into feeling like he needs to take more of that leadership role where he's taking it to the next level now and being a coach at Denver, I mean, at uh, Portland right now. So uh, you could see those gradually, you know, those type of leadership, um, uh, him stepping up in situations that we, we needed him to, to be that leader, you know, and it shows now to this day because he's, he's, he's calling shots now. He's still calling shots, you know, so you know putting tie on now. Yeah. Hey, quick break here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we'll get right back to it. When it comes to your CBD, quality matters. For all natural relief, visit SimpleGardenCBD.com. If 2020 taught us anything, it's how important our mental and physical health is. Simple Garden CBD specializes in third-party lab-tested premium quality CBD products that deliver consistent potency and purity you can count on. Utilizing industry-best extracting methods and ingredients, Simple Garden CBD is proof that not all CBD is created equal. Go check out their amazing lineup of premium CBD vapes, great-tasting full-spectrum, and THC-free tincture oils, as well as their delicious Delta 8 gummies that are absolutely amazing. And don't forget, they also carry some of the latest vape battery technology and designs on the market. So shop now at SimpleGardenCBD.com and use discount code STRAYHAND15 and save 15% on your order. That's right, I said it. Save 15% on your order using discount code STRAYHAND15. Get your order in now and experience the amazing benefits of premium quality CBD for yourself. Add Simple Garden CBD to your health and wellness regimen today. Real CBD, real results. Irony of, with with Chauncey being in Portland, and obviously I know they're two different style players because Chauncey was really more of a, a, a true true uh, you know old school one you know getting everybody involved in hitting the shot when need be and, and and who he's coaching and Dame Dame obviously gets a lot more buckets but they they're very they're very stoic they're very even keel you know with their with their with their emotions you know and right, so it's right. kind of it, it, so it's kind of uh you know that it's kind of ironic that's that you know that's that's who he's coaching right now but they right. they. Re- 
they're more of their body language resembles each other, not their games, of course. That's something I always got when he got the highest. So I was thinking about now right. that championship run ultimately, you know, was capped off with the with the with the win over the Lakers. You know, was there anything that stood out about that playoff run for you that, you know, mm. any, any games, any situations, any locker room, you know, I don't know, moments, anything at all when it comes. Or I'm pretty sure something stands out. What's the let me restate that. What stands out to you the most on your on the on the championship run? Um, that championship run, I would say after game three, I, I, I felt like they were beat. I felt mentally they were not where they should be as that team. You know, they had a lot of locker room, I felt issues, I, and you know, uh, per se, you know, but you know, you could definitely see they didn't have that cohesiveness that they had. And, uh, I've never seen a crowd rock like <laughs> the palace crowd rock. I'm like, oh my goodness. If that energy didn't help us win the game, I don't know where else you're going to get some more energy from that. And just experiencing that going from LA, because you know they had home court advantage. And they, 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 we stole the first one, and Kobe came and hit a, a three to send it in an overtime uh, game two, and they end up winning that, that game. But then when we came back uh, to Detroit, we felt this certain energy of just you know let's get this done let's bring back the bad boy you know image but not no bad you know not the bad bad just you know us having that mentality and you know i'm not comparing because you know it was uh, you actually feel like you want to be on that level when you see you know you feel you when you're in the finals you think about the isaiah thomas's you know uh, uh uh adrian you know dan lee's the mark aguirre's Actually, I think, yeah, you have every, all of them. I mean, Bill Lane Beers, and actually Bill was around near coaching too, the WNBA team. So, you know, you got these guys walking around, you want to make everybody happy. You want to please everybody. And, you know, the energy just took, you know, it, it, it took on a course of by, by itself. It was just a great uh, atmosphere. And you just want to be the best player you can be on that court. But just seeing the Lakers kind of not have that, that, you know, that vibe together like you used to seeing it just i kind of figured that this might be the last year for the lakers we might actually break up the lakers you know, <laughs> so, you know uh it did you know we i'm not gonna say we were the you know the cause for it, but kobe and shaq you know that was the last year they played together and uh they had some good years man you know i, I watched them when i was uh and when i tore my achilles you know the year i you know it took me a while to you know i tore both my achilles once before I got with the Clippers, you know, in the midst of me going overseas and playing here and playing with the Globe Trotters, I didn't go through all that story because, you know, it's just a story that we need to go. You healed, Trey, where'd you go? And then you got to the Clippers. So, you know, um, I've witnessed them do some great things from, you know, out from Inglewood where I was raised and watching them. So, and that was even in the form. And a lot of people don't remember them playing in the form together when they had Eddie Johnson. I mean, uh, you had you had Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Thank you, Eddie Jones. Yeah. And yeah. Kobe and Shaq. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Young Kobe off the bench too. No, I, no, I remember that, man. No, and you know what? Just to piggyback what you were saying with that bad boy scene with the Joe Dumars, the Vinnie Johnsons, the Mahorns, the Rodmans, right? Um, I mean, I, I don't think the NBA. I mean, just coincidentally, happened to be both Detroit teams, but I don't think the NBA has actually seen a a, a team 
uh, really, you know, really dominate on the defensive side like that since the bad boys, to be honest right. with you. you know, That's why it, I didn't want to compare myself to their, their bad. They were special, right? That team, you already know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely a special team. You know, half the reason why my older son's name Isaiah, to be honest with you, even though we, we spell it biblically. Yeah, I know Isaiah, the original Isaiah Thomas spelled it a little different, one less A, but, you know, but that's half yeah. the reason why. Let me ask you this. Uh, I, I mean, I want to ask you, actually, let's finish out with this I, before I end with my rapid-fire Q&A, and then I want to talk about, obviously, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the post career uh, with what you got going on, we'll definitely shout out your, your, your handle, your Instagram handle. But one last question is, so, you know, after the time with the Pistons, you know, you spent some time with the Pacers and the Hornets. I know you had a couple uh, professional seasons also with, I believe, the uh, Florida Flame and Dakota Wizards. But let me ask you this overall, because it's what I always talk about. And I always like, you know, players to hear this, even, you know, kids. Uh, you know, high school kids, college kids. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. But let me ask you, I mean, it, first of all, I think it's absolute blessing, first and foremost, to play the game of basketball for a career. The fact right. that you played it, you played it, you played a kid's game and you got paid to play the game of basketball. First of yeah. all, you won, number one. That's number one, because there's so there's a very small percentage that actually get to, uh, you know, accomplish that that goal, number one, first and foremost. And you should never complain about your job. If your job is to play the game of basketball, the one that you, the game that you love, you're blessed. You know, you're blessed right. over and over again, number one. But and, and I know you and I talked and you're very humble. I know, you know, prior to us, you know, starting here, starting the recording, you had uh, mentioned, you know, yeah, I had some good seasons, you know, here and there, you know, humble. But at the end of the day, like I said, you play professionally, you got a ring, uh, you know, you got to play against the top of the top, not only at the college level, but actual, actually at the NBA level and play in an era where literally the, the best players of all time were playing. Right. Uh, all that being said, it, it, for me to ask this question is, how satisfied were you with your playing career? I mean, that's a good question. And I, I will say this, <clears throat> excuse me. I am, I'm satisfied with, I'm very satisfied. It cost me two torn Achilles, you know, uh, it, it cost me a lot of a, a time of trying to get to one place here, going overseas, going there and there, you know, but it was all worth it. And my, my thing is, don't worry about the route you take because you're going to have some routes that you're not going to like to go through, but you have to, you have, you have to see your way through it. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't like, I, it wasn't the best route to go. I went to two, three, four, I went to high schools, three high schools, you know, um, you know, two universities got, had to sit out, you know, and then, uh, you know, go play in a CBA when Isaiah, then he wasn't paying anybody no money. Then the CBA had to go down. So I had to go overseas and then I tear in the key leads had to fly back from an NBA Legends tour, tearing my Achilles, and then, <laughs> you know, and then get myself right, and then come back play at the Globe Trotters, go overseas. Where I started with you, at, you know, at, at Greece, and came back to the G League. So my 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 the route it's crazy, but if you want to get to where you set your goal out to get, then at the end of the day, when you look at it now, I'm like, okay, at least I didn't stop. How many friends do I have during this? You know, back in when I was playing that saw me make and say who were good, who just wish they didn't stop playing. Cause they see now with basketball with, you know, they paying crazy money. We see this, but you know, they was paying crazy money 20 years, 15, 15 years ago too. And, you know, you see, you see my friends that say, I mean, I should have kept playing after junior. I should have went over here. I should have did this. I should have did this. Then it did this. I don't, don't stop. I wouldn't stop. And that's things that I'm, I'm so grateful for because I, I really wanted to not play anymore. I said, you know, I must try to just coach at Crenshaw and get early and just and, and, uh, sit behind Willie West, the great Willie West. 
Then my friend said, Trey, do not stop until the wheels fall off, you know? So that was a blessing. I kept going, I got rehabbed and, you know, that's the thing I can look back. I didn't stop going, you know, no matter if I didn't get to the big money, okay? No matter if I didn't play the 10 year career, I got there and at the end of the day, I got a championship ring. And sometimes I took that for granted. Sometimes I had to step out and see, and even write this book and just show like, okay, Trey, you did do some things. So, you know, and you see all this glamor right now, these, these, this glitz and glamor. You say, gosh, I wish I was a part of that $20 million deal, 30 million and during these times. I wish I didn't get this and that, but you know what? You can't wish for the past. You did what you did. And I'm certainly satisfied with this now. And sometimes it takes a while to, you know, adjust and, uh, to, to society and put yourself in where you're comfortable and able to tell people your story so people can learn and, and maybe they have uh, a story to tell somebody off the story you told them. So it's a trickle down effect for me. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sponge, man. I, I like to take information in, I receive it and give it out, man, where somebody can, you know, uh, it could be uh, one to grow on. Absolutely. You know what, what I love about it is, you know, your window to play this game of basketball is so small at the end of the day. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, we had <laughs> even like a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who had the, like one of the longest careers, right? Moses Malone, right. you had these guys. First of all, they're an anomaly, but still, at, at some point, the ball stops, you know? Right. So, yeah. the, so to you know, I always try to you know, press upon this, you know, with everybody that has the opportunity to play this game and get paid for it is go for it. I mean, your window's small. Your window's right. small. You know, your window's so, so small uh, you know, you have plenty of time to start that business, to work that job or whatever else it may be right outside of the game. Right. But as a, but as an athlete and, and you know, this firsthand, I mean, even injuries, slow injuries down, uh, you know, I'm sorry, slow careers it. down. Yeah. Uh, number, uh, also the fact is when you stop playing at that elite level, it's hard to get back, you know? So the oh. thing is you gotta, you gotta keep going and because do know, but because when you stop, for the most part, and don't get me wrong, there's going to be some examples. Somebody go out there and you say, well, you know, what about this guy? But the majority of folks, when you stop, you're done. That's it. I mean, I, I, playing at a professional level, that is what I'm trying to say. So you might as well just keep going because that window, like I said, that window is so small. But you know what? Like I said, man, uh, 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 Trey, I, your, your career to me was a success. Like I said, you you Thank performed, you, at, you know, you performed at a top level at the D1 level play with some top coaches, play with some top players, play with some, you know, I think future Hall of Famers. I mean, I mean actually, no, you for sure played with some future Hall of, yeah. Hall of Famers. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you, you, you did play some future Hall of Famers. But I, but I was even thinking about even the likes of Sharif Rahim and these other players, yeah. like in college you played, you played with one of the best uh, tight yeah. ends of all time. And then yeah. played on the basketball court. People didn't even know that, you know, Tony Gonzalez, some people don't even know that. So right. I, think you, you, I think you have, you know, a phenomenal career. Um, I know, obviously, you know, when it comes to this, you know, this whole, game of life you're just getting you're just getting started i know you uh you know oh yeah i'm gonna let you shout out you know obviously the, the 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 book that you're working on i'm gonna give your handle but hey before i let you go though i always end all my episodes with my, with some fun q a just 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 random stuff in the first thing that pops to your head okay so you yeah. ready to go all right yeah. here we go man we'll when, shoot when, when, when you were playing what's your go-to move uh in the pros or just period? it don't matter it don't matter bro okay yeah. You know, my go-to move is the up and under, man, because, you know, I couldn't just take off on anybody that much after I got the torn Achilles. So I would I would dribble left and then act like I'm shooting, get them, all, get, get them up in the air and say, uh, thank you for getting uh, – thank you for jumping. I'm coming up the other way. Up and under, baby. I like it. I like it. Who's uh, who's currently your favorite NBA player? And, and who's your favorite NBA player of all time, if you got one? Well, my favorite NBA player 
of all time why in my career where I witnessed and not been a kid was Allen Iverson. What I saw him do for his size, it doesn't make any sense to this day. So <laughs> pound, a pound for pound, the greatest score in NBA history. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing with anybody. The, the guy was really 5'10", a buck 50 with dripping, dripping wet with some Timberland boots on. I don't want to hear it. You know, trust me, I met him in a sack eye level, man. That dude was 5'10". Anyways, but yeah, who, who's, who's currently your favorite NBA player? Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to go ahead and give it to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay loyal. I'm gonna give it to LeBron. Um, but that by this season, that can definitely go to Durant. If uh, I'm gonna play how this season is, so we're gonna say <laughs> we're gonna say LeBron, but we're gonna say Kevin, you are right there on his behind. Okay. That being said, perfect segue to the next question. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I know what you're gonna say, but. MG, uh, MJ or LBJ for the GOAT? Oh, come on. Are you serious? Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 enough said. Enough, way, right. enough said. Hey, on the way to the gym, on the way to the workout, what's currently in your AirPods, your Beats? What are you listening to on the way to the gym right now? Uh, you know what? Lately, I've been listening to a, a lot of jazz. I've been liking uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. I've been, you know, during this pandemic, I've been needing more peace of mind because once I get to the gym, they got some music that you don't have to put your earphones on. And for me, people always say, why you don't have your earphones on in the gym? Sometimes you want to feel that energy. You want to hear the, you want to hear the weight slamming and, you know, people like, oh, you want to hear everything going on. Sometimes I feel off, I feed off the sound of people working out and hearing the weights hit, you know, going up and back and down. I, I like, I need that sound sometimes. And, uh, I think people are going to be following me that because they see how big I get. They might say, hey, you know what? He can have <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, who, who was the toughest player you personally face? I mean, it doesn't even got to be obviously a big name. Who's, a, who's the one that you know when you had to cover, he was going to give you some fits? Man, I ain't guarded everybody to Kobe Bryant, man, to Tracy McGrady. But I'm going to tell you the hardest dude to guard for me because of the size advantage and how his game was, was dirt, new, wind, ski. <laughs> yeah, yeah man he was a, he was a mid post dude he would catch the ball in mid post and he would just you already know he would just have he had the ball over his head so it's, it's on him that he wants to you know put the ball down or take a dribble and, and then go off with his his, his patent you know the one leg. one leg so the one leg very, yeah that was very hard to guard because you don't have it's one thing to guard Kobe and be, uh, you know, show your athleticism and guarding him. But when you have that kind of, you know, you know, that disadvantage, you don't really can't, you can't really do anything about that, but just contest it and just, you know, try to just keep it, you know, solid, solid D. Hopefully they'll go in. Don't go in, please. <laughs> <laughs> Last one here, brother, is no more in advice. If you had to break it down to just one, I know you have plenty, but if you just had to break it down to one advice, for aspiring basketball players, what would it be? Just number one, one advice. Um, study, uh, just study your weaknesses and strengths because, you know, you, you definitely can um, – you, you, you always is room for improvement. So I would say study your weaknesses, you know. Study your weaknesses so you can improve them to be uh, strengths, you know. Um, everybody has a go-to move, but if every after a while, everybody knows each other's moves, right? So – you got to have something different that people don't expect. So I would, I, I would say just, you know, work on something that you don't, you didn't have yesterday, but you can get it today and tomorrow and so on. I love it, man. I love it. 
Well, listen, man, I, I definitely appreciate you making some time getting, getting on the Straight Talk with Straight Hand podcast. I, I definitely, I, mean, I, was, I was looking forward to this, definitely thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, you know, be, before I let you go, I want to make sure if you want to continue, uh, you know, following uh, your Trey, his IG handle is Trey Folks. So that's T-R-E-F-O-W-L-K-E-S, Trey, Trey Folks. Um, like I said, he's uh, he has a lot, a lot of post-career stuff going on. Go ahead. And, you know, I might have to bring you back, Trey, for, uh, you know, in, in the future so we can talk about this book. Go ahead, go ahead and hit him with some information about this book that you're working on before we before we close out. Well, I've, I've got a book that I'm working on right now. But the book that's finished, that's going to be out online and Kindle and Amazon is from the Shaw to the Chip. So that's from Crenshaw to the championship, you know, mm. choice. So it's about, you know, just the whole process of me growing up, my childhood experiences, you know, me growing up in LA during, you know, the game banging, the culture, you know, game bang culture. And this shows you how to make adjustments, man, from one side of town to the next, to coming to Crenshaw, going through my college like we did. We, we, you know, me and you just gave them the fast, you know, get to it, let's go, let's get how we need to get it. So this book kind of will slow them down a little bit and give them a chance to kind of give them some insight. And I, I, I tell you a lot of lessons learned, some things that maybe I did that you won't have to do, you know, um, you know, you know, learning from your mistakes. So it, it, it's a good book, not to only tell you about my story, but what I went through. And hopefully, you know, I can share my story and people can learn and say, okay, hey, I might have a similar story, you know, uh, the, 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 the successes, the ups, the downs, the me wanting to stop playing after injuries, me wanting to keep going, having the right people around you. So, you know, this book is really just, you know, uh, my life to people so they can see and then they also can uh, understand what players go through and then you know, what we do, you know, uh, and, no, you just need to read the book. It's good. It just shows you how I got to the championship, man. And it was a beautiful thing. I'm going to send you a copy and I'm going to send you a shirt from the Shaw to the Chip t-shirt. So y'all be able to read this thing, man. And I'm going to keep you guys up to date. And, you know, you guys can follow me if you want to see some cow highlights. You know, I got a little bit of everything. I got some interviews, but this was a dope interview right here. This was the one. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. And like I said, man, look, look, if you want to go ahead and continue following Trey, what he's doing, Trey folks is his IG handle. I'll have it actually in the description under this episode. I just want to thank you guys once again for all you guys listening, for joining me for another Straight Talk with Strayhan. Continue having a blessed day, guys. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to another Straight Talk with Strayhan podcast. And if you haven't done so already, click the subscribe button and make sure to follow him on Instagram at Strayhan, S-T-R-A-Y-H-A-N-D. And we will catch you on the next episode.